1: Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We
2: coming to 8th time. Let's get to work in, man. Let's go. Great day. Great day. Oh, give me some juice, man.
3: Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Monday to you. Happy Reaction Monday. We are still reacting, and there's plenty to react to today. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you enjoyed all the football. We've got our Super Bowl matchup for Super Bowl 58, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, if you want to know who's going to win the AFC title games, just follow the trail of Sean Pendergast predictions and turn 180 degrees and go the opposite way because that's that's what went. I had San Francisco, but I I had them covering in the game as well. So um, so at any rate, uh, that's what we have, Kansas City and San Francisco. Welcome in. On a Reaction Monday, I'm Sean Pendergast. He is Seth Payne. And, Seth, I would say my big takeaway, and we'll get into each of these games, those are two losses for each of those teams and probably fan bases too especially in Detroit those are going to sting for a while i can live with losing 34 to 10 to a better team like the texans did a week ago like i was yeah, okay, i was yeah. okay like i was okay like 6 hours later i but those are the, the way the ravens lost with all the stupidity and and the Lions are the big one everybody's talking about. <laughs> Look, yeah, I, know, I mean just like right. it, it
2: was with all stupidity. There's no other way to put it. They were just Yeah, it, no, it was a, it was just a heap heaping mounds of stupidity all over the place. In a
3: very winnable game. And so yeah. um and then the Lions, which is I mean this will be the one that I think most people probably around the country are talking about because the Lions were 30 minutes away from doing a like a Chicago Cubs thing from back in 2016 and getting to a a Super Bowl when they've never been to one before. And they just unraveled in the most lion way possible with the Dan Campbell decisions are getting a lot of scrutiny on fourth down two fourth down decisions to go for it. Instead of kick yep. field goals in the second half. But boy, some of the things that started happening in that game, you're like, this is what a cursed team looks like, man.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know what? I honestly felt like in both of these games, it's easy in hindsight to say this, but I think it'd probably bear out if you look at kind of some of the, like if you went through and classified boneheaded decisions, clutch situations, dropped balls, things like that. It felt like both of the teams with the most playoff experience uh, took advantage of it Executed, and used yeah. it to their advantage, whether it's the way they played in the second half um, or like the, the things they did and did not do, all of that. But the, the, the turnaround with the 49ers especially, I mean, it hinged on so many kind of flukish things there in the third quarter the the just gimme interception that turned into an Ayuk reception at the 5-yard line. I that was I, I I think if they don't make that play right there it's very unlikely that the 49ers even spark a turnaround.
3: Yeah, that that and that was preceded by the decision by Dan Campbell to go for it. On fourth and two, instead of kick a makeable field goal, yeah, um, and and on fourth and two, they they had a play. I mean, it hit the receiver in the hands. Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds is going to be another guy who's not going to be able to sleep for the next five days. Crucial drop on fourth and two, which would have, it wouldn't have been an easy catch, but it's a catch an NFL receiver should make. The drop on third and nine a little later on in the second half by Reynolds is the one that's really going to haunt him. That was just took his eye off the ball, but it felt like Seth that fourth and two decision up twenty four to ten. You got a chance to go up three scores. Dan Campbell's getting a lot of heat for this today. They don't execute on fourth and two, and then a couple plays later, boy, it's on the TV in our in our studio right now. It bounces off the safety. Brock Purdy, who'd been awful up to this point, throws yeah. a, thro- overthrows a deep ball that should have been an interception, hits the DB in the face inside the five yard line, and Brandon Ayuk makes a circus catch of it. It felt like that fourth and two decision was like this karmic gateway to to then some real lions things actually happening like the the very, they score right after that that circus catch and then the very next series Jameer Gibbs fumbles on the first play inside lions territory next thing you know it's 24-24 they've scored two touchdowns the niners have to tie it up in a matter of 4 minutes in the third quarter
2: and that Gibbs fumble too was on a play that was botched it was somebody was going the wrong way yep. on that yep. m- miscommunication by either Gibbs or uh or or Goff, Goff or yeah. whomever it was I'm okay with the without even breaking down the analytics too much, other than to say that it seems like a lot of the analytics people say it's pretty much a wash in that decision in that in that situation. And if it's a wash, look, the Lions have made it that far by by doing just that, and they very easily like they had the situations where they could have made those. and And I think if you just even look at the game flow too, at that point when the Lions went forward on fourth and two with about six and a half minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock was 11 for 21 for 153 he's yards. bad, yeah. Yeah, like he just – they the, they had not been able to move the ball. And I, 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 I appreciate, like, what Dan Campbell was going for there. I don't think it was, like, an overtly meat-headed play or anything. And I also think that all of their decisions on fourth down are also, like, guided by the fact that the kicker they're using has been – he's not a good kicker. No, he's he's a really bad kicker. He's
3: bad. He's bad. the The second one, the second decision to go for it on fourth down, I think, is the one that probably invites even more scrutiny. You're down twenty-seven twenty-four, and you've got a chance to kick a forty-seven-yard field goal to tie the game, and you go for it on fourth and three, and um, and and you don't get it. That that one was a more of a conventional. You didn't get it, like you didn't execute. Like the Josh Reynolds drop on fourth and two, you had a play that was there. Um, The fourth and three was probably like the bad side of Jared Goff where he got a little bit of pressure. He was asked to do things improvisationally, and then he just kind of threw the ball into an empty area and it just landed incomplete. That one will invite more scrutiny because it's a 47-yard field goal. Again, as you point out, Seth, their kicker's not good. Um, But still, uh, I think, like honestly, I think 31 other teams probably kick a field goal to tie the game in that situation. Here was here was Dan Campbell after the game explaining or at least sticking up for his decisions.
4: I just felt really good about us converting and uh, getting our momentum and, and not letting them play long ball. Um, you know, they were bleeding the clock out. That's what they do. Um, and I wanted to get the upper hand back, um, you know. And it's easy hindsight, and I get it, you know. Um, I get that, but I don't regret those decisions. And that's hard. You know, it's hard because, you know, they didn't, we didn't come through. It wasn't able to, to work out, but I just, I don't, I don't. And I understand the scrutiny I'll get. That's part of the gig, man.
2: Okay, so as far as the, like, the obviousness of going for the field goal in that situation, I think a lot of people look at it and think, oh, okay, 47-yard field goal, that's a, like that's an easy three points, why don't you take it? That kicker, Badgley, in his career, he's 13 of 24 from 45 to 50 yards. Like, he's a 50-50 guy from 45 to 50 yards, whereas the Lions are, like, 70% on going for it on fourth and two or fourth and three. So, like, like just... By that math alone, it, there's a there's an argument to be made for him going there. And then I also think, like I think, when people do it in their minds, they just think, well, oh yeah, it's 47 yard field goal, no big deal. That's a that's an easy three, and it's just it just wasn't with that kid. He's just not a good he's not a good kicker. No,
3: um, I thought the most egregious game management thing, honestly, even more so than going for it on fourth down, because as you've pointed out, this is what they've done all year. Um, there's at least one of those I would have kicked the field goal um, towards the end of the game. They're down by two scores. There's about a minute to go in the game. They've they've only got two timeouts left. Or no, they had I forget. I think I think they only had two timeouts left. Yeah, well, they had all they had all yeah. three. They had all three. And they had third and goal and they run the ball with like a minute and change to go and they don't get the touchdown. So they have to burn they have to burn yeah. one of their timeouts and that essentially means you've got to get an onside kick at that yeah. point. If you had all three of your timeouts and you score a touchdown there, then you can kick off and hope that you get a three and out there. I mean, I, uh, yeah. I get it. The win probability is very, very low at that point. It got a little bit of scrutiny from the broadcast team. It got way more scrutiny from Detroit people in their postgame show, I can tell you that. I listened to the postgame oh, show yeah? for the Lions last night. Yeah. It's a hobby of mine. I like to listen to losing post game shows. I've had a lot of practice here from twenty 2020 twenty through twenty twenty two, listening to it as I hosted oh, it. Your
2: other, yeah, like a kind of you, you can get tips for how to handle it. Yeah,
3: know? yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's fun to listen to other people suffer sometimes. Petty cast. Um So, um, but I thought that was an egregious error, and that's a Ben Johnson thing as much as anything else. Like you, you had to burn a timeout. You had all three of them left, and you had to burn one with a minute and change to go. That essentially is a 40-second coupon that you just burned, and now you got to make an onside kick if you're going to – and they ended up scoring down there, too, on fourth down. They scored, and they, they had to try an onside kick, and they didn't get it. So yeah. little things like that. I You know, little things – even things – there's so many little things the Lions did wrong in the second half that go unnoticed because they did so many big things wrong. The punt that landed inside the five-yard line that the guy tried to catch – for the Lions and walked into the end zone with it instead of just knocking it backwards, you know? Yeah, like, just little... Yeah. It's 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 like just the, it's like that decision to go forward on fourth and two, which, again, I don't think was a terrible, terrible decision. It ended up being the wrong decision. It was like it was the gateway for all the weird and stupid stuff to start happening for the Lions.
2: I, I think part of it, too, is that, man... I, it, I was really tempted at various points in the first half to think, like, okay, well, that's just Brock Purdy. That's Brock Purdy. But then in the second half... There are a lot of moments where I was thinking, well, "That's, I mean, that's Jared Goff. What are you going uh, <laughs> you, you, you to do?" You it. can't expect brilliance out of Jared Goff. Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy ran really like appropriately well. He ran when he needed to run. I thought that that's one thing that Lamar Jackson seemed like he almost seemed painfully opposed to running. And I like I worry sometimes when guys have tried to recreate themselves. Which he has successfully recreated himself as a dual threat, like a genuine dual threat, passer and runner. Man, you get into these playoff games, and if if, if it calls for running, run, just run. And Lamar Jackson ran; he ran eight. He ended up running eight times, but uh, I don't, I can't remember if there was even a single called run. There's at least one called run by the Ravens, and part of that was because of the way the. The Chiefs were blitzing as much as they did, but I, I I felt like even after he was getting past the line of scrimmage, it was almost like he was still looking to pass. Yeah, even after he was past the line of scrimmage, like there was a psychological block there or something. Man, just just run yeah. like that. That the Chiefs' defense—if there was one thing that was slept on really going into this conference championship uh, this weekend. I think it was just how good the Chiefs' defense is. They're good, and what yeah. they did to Josh Allen last week, and what they did to Lamar Jackson yesterday.
3: Let's talk more in the next segment about that AFC title game, because I think a lot of Texan fans going, "Hey, we were blitzing a lot, and it didn't work in the second half. What was working so well for the Chiefs, and where was this Lamar Jackson?" Uh, A week ago. So we'll talk about that. By the way, the early line on the Super Bowl, San Francisco a one-point favorite. So this is basically a coin flip game between these two. up at
2: like two and a half and then just got bet down very quickly. Yeah.
3: My guess is the Chiefs wanted to stay right at San Francisco minus something because the Chiefs have done a very good job of channeling this whole underdog thing the last couple of weeks.
2: Boy, if you went into that game hating Travis Kelsey, I can't imagine how the rage you feel right now. (laughs) It was a rough it was a rough game day to hate. Yeah, especially
3: <laughs> Kyle Van Noy. What are you doing? Like he gets the Kyle Van Noy comes up and headbutts him and then Kelsey just got exactly what he wanted, a 15-yard penalty. Kelsey's a perfect troll. Like a, he knows
2: exactly he, how to Like yeah, you yep. you break down when Zay Flowers got that stupid penalty. And you want to say immediately, well, like, he's just doing what Travis Kelsey does. And you realize, well, Now, Travis Kelsey would have done one of those things. Yeah. But Zay Flowers pushes the dude down. And spins the ball on his over, head. Spins the ball at him. Yeah. yeah. All right,
3: Payton Pendergast with you on a reaction Monday. It'll be Niners, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. We'll be there. We'll be there in Vegas starting a week from today. Seth and I will be there. The whole station will be there. Yingling Flight is sending us there. Low T Center as well. We appreciate them for sending us there. Up next, we'll dig into the AFC title game. Where was this Lamar Jackson last week? Well, the Chiefs may have had something to do with it. We'll talk
0: about that in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
3: All right, so we dug into the NFC title game pretty heavy in the open. We're going to be circling back to these games all day long. If you're just getting in your car, you already know probably if you listen to a sports talk radio show that it's San Francisco and Kansas City. A rematch of the Super Bowl from four years ago uh, in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. We'll be headed there a week from today. We will be out there. Uh, at the Super Bowl. Again, thanks to the Yingling Flight for sending us. Thanks to the Loti Center as well. As far as this AFC title game goes, Seth, Baltimore losing to Kansas City, 17-10. I think if I were a Lions fan waking up this morning, I'd be sad because it looked like we were going to go to a Super Bowl for the first time in team history. If I were a Ravens fan, I would be waking up angry at my football team. <laughs> I would be waking up pissed off at my team because they did so much stupid stuff. Like, stupid stuff that there's no way it affected winning. Like, you can say Dan Campbell was stupid for going forward on 4th and 2 and 4th and 3. I don't know that it was necessarily stupid. Maybe ill-advised. But you can you at least have an explanation for that. Kyle Van Noy coming in and headbutting Travis Kelsey after a skirmish where everybody should be getting away from the skirmish, but Van Noy jumps in and exacerbates it. Fifteen yard penalty. Uh, Jadeveon Clowney fifty a silly roughing the passer penalty. Um, Zay Flowers the sequence that poor kid had. He'd had a good season too. He gets a taunting penalty for for for. Pushing up after a long catch on a Kansas City defender, spinning the ball on him and taunting him, and then a few plays later fumbles the ball going into the end zone. Just just a brutal, brutal afternoon yeah. for the Ravens. He
2: fumbled the ball going in the end zone on a play where he would have made the he would have had a touchdown whether he reached out for it or not. Slide like in he just yeah. secured the ball. The old Bill Belichick the old Bill Belichick rule of not reaching out for the end zone, like every I can't help but think about that every single time something like that happens. So Sneed, Sneed's a hero on that one. Sneed, who who hadn't given up a regular season touchdown all year long, mm-hmm. um, really just saved the game in a lot of or se- secured the game in a lot of ways after that. I think that um, I I feel like John Harbaugh too. In I, I think in a, like the recipe for winning that game. Would have required them to be like at 190 degrees Fahrenheit. They 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 told they told the broadcast crew before the game that they weren't going to take no crap from nobody. They were just going to they were going to let Pat Mahomes know that he couldn't just do these fake slides and everything to get away with it. They are going to hit him. So it was obvious that they came in there like in a fever pitch. Like, hey, we're going to be the bullies here. And, and Harbaugh got him cooked up to the boiling point instead of just a little bit less. They needed to be, they needed to be at 190 and they were at 212. And that's just, that was enough to just tip everything over the edge. And then, and then the worst decision of all was Lamar Jackson throwing the, the final interception he did there where I don't know if it was a bad decision or if he just didn't have enough touch on the ball. Um, if he tried to throw it out, you know, the back of the end zone there to Mark Andrews instead of where he threw it into, into three different, defenders, it, it it wouldn't have been an interception. You
3: made this point after the Texans game. It was either yeah. you or Clint, or maybe both of you made this point, that even in that game with Lamar Jackson against the Texans, as efficient as his numbers were passing the football – you could still see like he's throwing the ball behind guys. He's not precise. Like even right, when his right. numbers are good, a lot of it's because you know in that scheme and they've got to respect the run so much. He's got guys that are more open than the average receivers yeah. are. I'm not saying he's a bad passer. He's 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 adequate. He's fine. For whatever reason, Todd Monkin yesterday, and maybe it's they get behind in the game, and this is maybe part of the reason. Although I know Monkin's only been there a year, part of the theme since Jackson's gotten there is they don't play well from behind. They seem to, Munkin seemed to, the O.C., panic very early in that game and go away from doing what they do well and were doing well, which is is running the football. He was asking Lamar to throw all these east-west passes, sidearm passes, and, and Lamar was just doing Lamar things where he's just a tick off and guys aren't catching the football. Well, like, it was and weird.
2: It, and it felt, though, too, for... Like, for the Chiefs blitzing as much as they were, or at times, it, at times, they were, look, at times the Chiefs had like two linebackers spying Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And they were not, they were not attacking behind those linebackers the way I thought they would. And it was, it was like all screens are still trying to go deep. Yeah. That part of it was kind of weird from a play calling perspective. And again, I think you have to give the Chiefs, you got to give the Chiefs secondary their due as well. I mean, they're really, really good. So there was that. I thought, but yeah, after the Chiefs scored in the second quarter, the Ravens ran the ball twice that quarter. One was a scramble by Jackson. The remainder of the game, they ran the ball seven more times in a one score game, you know, or what was a 10 point or a one score game at various times. That did feel strange. I mean, sometimes you go back and okay, if you fail running on first and 10, then it turns into a passing game. Yeah. But yeah, again, on the coaching side too, I think. Yeah, look, Monken Monken won a national championship in college. It's a different deal in the NFL, and I think that it, it just looked everything looked kind of disjointed. And yeah, the difference between those two quarterbacks obviously is that Pat Mahomes, especially in these situations, has all time accuracy. There are a lot of there are a lot of throws and completions he made where guys were a hundred percent covered, and he just threw it with perfect touch. Uh, the the connection between him and Kelsey, like I think that playoff experience has mattered a whole lot these last couple weeks. Kelsey's looked like a different dude, and Lamar Jackson just does not have that same touch on the ball that Pat Mahomes does.
3: Yeah, we got to give Kelsey his credit, man. He's He passed Jerry Rice for most playoff receptions in a career. I didn't even know he was that close to Jerry Rice for that number. No, I didn't know any human being was that close to Jerry Rice for total playoff catches, but Travis Kelsey passed him yesterday. 11 catches, 11 targets fantastic touchdown catch down to score the first touchdown of that game. I mean Kyle Hamilton had good coverage on him on that play and it was it was a great throw by Mahomes great catch by Travis Kelsey there they are I, I would imagine the the feeling that a lot of the NFL teams that are competing with the Chiefs on that level, the Texans have not been competing with the Chiefs on that level um, for four years. Um, yeah. but I would imagine that a lot of the team feel a lot of the teams probably feel a lot like the teams in the American League do competing against the Astros you know The
2: the Chiefs did a brilliant job uh, blitzing and I think that's look one of the reasons Lamar Jackson didn't run more than he did was that the Chiefs were able to when you're rushing 5 and everybody's rushing with discipline there's just nowhere to go whereas with the Texans and I saw somebody on the text line earlier ask you know why did the why why weren't the Texans able to blitz as effectively as the Chiefs uh, really simply it's the chiefs can cover I, I think if you if you put it that way and um like they'll do you know you, you heard you heard Romo talking about the chiefs playing zone um they'll play a lot of match though too where they if you start off in zone and then you identify your guy and then you plaster him um they do a really good job of that it basically turns into man and Lamar was looking downfield and didn't have anywhere to go with it and i, and I do think I like. I hate to put this part on Lamar Jackson because it's not his fault that guys aren't getting open downfield. And yet, I do think that when you're going against a defense like that, and they're taking away all of your options, man, you've got you've got those legs. Just use them. Like, yeah. Whatever whatever narrative there is about you know whether he's a complete quarterback or not, it doesn't matter, man. Like, don't. Don't play to somebody else's version of what a good quarterback is. You are a really, really good quarterback and MVP because you can do it both with your arms and your legs. And I felt like there's times where, man, he's he's waiting for guys who are plastered to get open downfield and they just were not gonna get open. Yeah. Just go ahead and pull it down and go. And then and then when you go, go. I I don't it looked like he was it looked like he was like looking for laterals or something he's running. He's got his head on his swivel after he's passed the line of scrimmage. And I don't know if that's some kind of just uh, you know, it, trying to adhere to being the, the new type of quarterback that he's become, but it doesn't matter in the playoffs. Josh Allen ran his ass off last week because that was the only option at times. Dude,
3: you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I said, "I mean, I really thought Josh Allen gave him the blueprint last week. I yeah. really like he, Josh Allen had zero issue running as soon as the opportunity showed last week. And I time. think there's
2: times too, where look, it, okay, if it's for five yards, it's for five yards. Cause there's nothing open downfield and it doesn't like a five yard run is better than what you're getting with everything else.
3: Well, I think there's some, probably sometimes too, maybe in the regular season, because you're trying to be judicious about physicality with Lamar, especially with Lamar. Right, He's right. not as big yeah. a guy. This is the AFC title game, man.
2: Like yeah, you, you got yeah. you got
3: 8 months to rest after yeah, this.
2: And, and I get it and I get it. I know that people have been saying like, "Oh well, what the hell? You guys, you know, you want him to you don't want him to run and then you want him to run." Like, no, I I honestly I feel like like Lamar Jackson is a type of quarterback that like his legs and his arm, like he's a quarterback it, it used to be people thought that like a oh, quarterback is all defined by your passing and it's not it's not anymore it just flat out isn't and i think like to to totally utilize everything he is as a quarterback when the run is the only thing that's available and the only thing that the only option is the quarterback run then just shred them with the quarterback run mm-hmm. cuz they were those guys are plastered on their receivers they've got the, the defenders have their their backs turned at time to the quarterback. Just go ahead and and get five yards plus, and just and just go. But um, and again, that's not like it's the it's the rest of the team around him that's letting him down. Not to mention, man, I that that guard on Chris Jones was just he didn't, oh, have, a, he didn't have a chance. No, no, that poor <laughs> Chris kid. Chris Jones knee injury was basically the the only hope that the Ravens had at one point.
3: Yeah, he's a beast, man. He's an absolute beast. Um, text message. I'll never understand how Kelsey gets open so much when the whole world knows it's coming. Guess those guys are just that good. He's excellent at finding soft spots in zones and whatnot, man. He's yeah, really good.
2: I think a lot of that is if you think about a Gronk and Brady, yep. when Gronk was basically done and useless in the regular season and yet in the playoffs, I think they just have that knack for they've got that esp connection between the two of them and just exactly how kelsey's going to respond to coverage and, and and mahomes has complete and total trust that he can just get the ball to him when he needs to get it to him um it's not it's not just kelsey it's the combination of kelsey and mahomes
3: what did you make of the um <laughs> what at least in the little short snippets that wound up on the internet looked like two of the varsity athletes bullying some little soccer player on the playground before the game where uh Mahomes and Kelsey Justin Tucker the kicker for the Ravens yeah. was trying to get some work in before the game and was doing it down at the Chiefs end of the field and Mahomes kept taking the little holder apparatus to hold the ball for Tucker and tossing it Kelsey at one point just walked over and kicked and tossed Tucker's helmets and footballs away like that, that got a lot
2: of that got a lot of run like oh, look at the juice on this game I saw a lot of people in the comments saying that, you know, like, oh, this is just people are going to try to make something out of this when everybody's just joking. I was trying to look at the facial expressions. It didn't look like anybody was joking. And right. this, look, this this does happen. There's specific time windows when the offense is allowed to be on specific areas of the field and when special teams is allowed to be on specific areas of the field. So I don't know in that moment exactly who is allowed to be where or what. Uh, I don't know I usually I think that I think sometimes the kickers think they have a little bit more free reign of it than than they actually do, but I have no idea it was uh it was it was interesting, it was interesting.
3: i uh, I put it to the audience on yeah. the app called X, formerly known as Twitter. the one opinion that I got on this like okay, this guy's opinion is educated on this because yeah. he's a former NFL player who played special teams, even long snap for a little bit at one point for the Texans in a pinch. Joel yeah. Dreesen, former tight end. Uh-huh. This was his take. He said the kicker is one hundred percent to blame. Get his ass to his own side. It was a funny power struggle and was handled exactly how it should have been handled.
2: Yeah, well there's uh I remember one time that the Bills came to play us in NRG, reliant at the time, and they were one of their returners was like catching kicks in the middle of our stretch line, and it was like an altercation there. You're like, what the hell are you doing? It does it, it it's a little it gets a little bit into a turf war. Like, wait a second! No, you're not allowed here right now. What are you doing in this neighborhood? Yeah, and you got to boot them out. Yeah, yeah. That especially was especially when it's a kicker, especially when it's Tucker with his little apparatus. Well, and, yeah.
3: I, and I was wondering, like, is, when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, well, they're probably just having some fun. And Mahomes is from Texas, and Tucker's yeah. from Texas, and maybe they've crossed paths with each other before, and they're just clowning with each other. And you're right, like, at some point, when I saw the second video of Kelsey picking things up and tossing them, like his, yeah. like Tucker's helmet and the footballs, yeah. I'm like, ooh, they're not joking around here.
2: I wonder if uh, how do the Swifties feel about that? Kelsey being a bully. Is that uh, is that going to be That's a good question. Is, is that going to is that going to open their eyes to perhaps what a what 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 tough I man can he tell really you is.
3: the Swiftie that is my daughter if that were the case it was not affecting her fandom of the Chiefs at all after the game.
2: Or oh, she, oh she is a Chiefs Big fan Chiefs now. Chiefs huh? fan now. Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes oh, sense. Oh yeah. I don't know. I figured like I don't have this image of like the non-football fan Swifties that are watching the game is just wanting to catch glimpses of Taylor Swift but obviously they're going to root for her boyfriend. Oh yeah, yeah. big time. Yeah. Big
3: time. Yeah. And that's and I'm guessing I try not
2: to, I try not to think about it too much. I cuz at the beginning of the season I was like everybody settle down. This is you guys are overreacting about all the shots of Taylor Swift. It's been an entire season and I'm done with it. I oh, just, yeah. I, I, it's just too much. I just don't, I don't need to, I don't need to see anybody's family members every single time that person does something. You know, I don't like that generally as a rule. You know, who's,
3: me. you know, who's had too much of it based on reading lips in the press box. Taylor Swift. Did oh, you, really? I don't know if you saw Yeah. If you, go, no. if you go, if you go, look, look it up, Google it or go on Twitter and look it up. There was a point where they were showing a, a, a promo for the Grammys, which is on CBS yeah, and they were showing her up in the press box because I'm sure she's nominated for a jillion Grammys, and she's won a jillion Grammys. Yeah, and you could read her lips, and and, and it, it was something to the effect of, "Will you get, will you get this bleep off of me, or something like that?" Oh, will really? You, yeah, oh, well. I think she's even. What, probably if she a talking, tired. what
2: if she was talking about Pat Mahomes' uh, wife? <laughs> get this bleep <laughs> off of me. Get this chick Foster off Jackson Mahomes, yeah. I'm tired of this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I paint a
3: Pendergast, with you on a Reaction Monday. Headlines, we will continue to react to the AFC and NFC title games and um, also coaching news, which involves the Houston Texans that we will get to as well. Uh, a former Astro is now officially, officially a former Astro. How are we feeling about that? whole lot more in headlines. We roll on next.
4: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents
2: Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines.
3: Right, let's get into it. The uh, Super Bowl matchup is set. Kansas City... Beats Baltimore yesterday in the AFC title game, seventeen to ten. San Francisco beats Detroit in a huge second half comeback, or a huge second half collapse, depending on how you look at it. The Lions went into the locker room at halftime up twenty four to seven, and they lose thirty four to thirty one to the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. I saw a funny graphic, Seth. You know those. You know those uh, map of the United States graphics that put colors in the states that show who's rooting for what team, yeah. the infographics. <laughs> it had the Chiefs logo inside of Kansas and Missouri. It had the Niners logo inside the upper half of California and the rest of the country was just gray and gray was like we wish this matchup had never happened or something like that. Oh, like there's yeah. there's no like I feel like if the Lions were in this that would have been an America's Darling kind of thing. Maybe yeah. even the Ravens because Lamar Jackson is pretty likable and he would be breaking through. Even though the Niners haven't won a Super Bowl in a long, long time, I feel like these are two teams that, by and large, America is probably a little tired of, the 49ers. The, and
2: the, t- the 49ers, of the teams that have had a lot of historical success, I, don't, I feel like they're the team that has the least national fan base. Do you know what I mean? If, I, if we were to lump together like the Packers, the Cowboys, the 49ers, um, who Patriots. am I missing? The Patriots. I feel like the 49ers have... Uh, Steelers. The, yeah, oh, the Steelers for sure. Yeah. Of those teams, I think the Patriots and the 49ers have the fewest like nationwide fans. I would say you don't, so, yeah. You go to any sports bar anywhere in America, there's going to be Steelers fans, there's going to be Cowboys fans, there's going to be Packers fans. Yep. I don't think that the 49ers and Patriots have that same level of support nationally. Yeah,
3: I don't know. That's a good question. Like, And, and boy, I would say when the Raiders were in Oakland, you could make a case that the oh, Niners yeah, might not... Might not yeah. even have the most national fan base in the yeah. Bay Area, you know? Uh, yeah. The so the, uh,
2: the, yeah, so the Raiders are another one of those teams. Yeah. You go into any sports bar, there's Raiders fans. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, uh, and I guess maybe the different, well, the Patriots, it's been more recent success, but mm-hmm. the 49ers had their success back when, you know, like back when people were forming their allegiances and everything. 80s and 90s, I don't know. Yeah. There's Yeah, there's something about, uh, I don't know. You know, the 49ers have something in common with the Chiefs, maybe, is, is that... Uh, I, I don't know. There's something that, uh, that people just. I, I think it's more driven by the quarterback than uh, in his image. So perhaps people don't even become a fan of the. Uh, people hate the Chiefs right now. That's all.
3: Yeah, they do. No, yeah. the Chiefs are the Chiefs are getting the the Patriot like whatever the Patriots were for the last twenty years. The Chiefs have have evolved to their credit. Have evolved into the twenty twenties version of that. The early line on this Super Bowl, and we're going to dig more into these two games at 7 o'clock. Just all the twists and turns in the games because we got other headlines we got to get to. The early line on this game, Seth, it opened with San Francisco nearly a field goal favorite. It's come down to San Francisco minus one. Do you have an early feel on this game at all? Or we've got two weeks to dig into this thing. Do you do you have any sort of early vibe on this game between Kansas City and San Francisco? Any early gut feel on it to you?
2: I think the, the Chiefs defense has been I don't want to say criminally underappreciated this year but it is I it, I, I think that I, I think people didn't quite want to believe that the Chiefs defense was carrying them as much as they were right um so uh, after having watched Brock Purdy like really honestly and I didn't feel like Brock Purdy was actually playing good until the score was tied at 24-24 and some of it was done with his legs Yeah. The, they were lucky as hell on the would-be interception. They may have gotten called back by by uh, an interference anyway, even if, if Ayuk hadn't caught the ball. But that was a flukish play. There were a couple of flukish plays mm-hmm. in that comeback. You know, Brock Purdy throwing back across his body on a stupid, stupid pass. <laughs> that ended up being a completion. And they're, they're like, a- yeah,
3: they're like, fourth wide receiver makes a, 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 like yeah. a one-handed catch. A yeah. huge catch. Yeah, so I think,
2: like, I don't trust Brock Purdy versus that Chiefs defense right now. I, I have a, I have an extreme respect for the the Chiefs defense. Yeah, and what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks.
3: 47 and a half, 47 and a half the total, which is actually for two teams that have very good offenses, at least very good, at least talent wise, very good offenses. I know the Chiefs numbers have been down this year, somewhat of a high total for two teams that have elite defenses and, or I should say, elite uh, level offensive talent on their teams. We'll dig more into these games at the top of the hour, but it'll be Kansas city and San
2: Francisco. Well, they, I like Pacheco with two weeks to resting a completely healthy versus that 49ers run defense that you could see is really uh, like the 49ers run defense is, is one that the numbers just do not tell about the weaknesses that it actually has. And you saw that at least in the first half last night. Yeah. The
3: total yardage. They're not bad. It's because they're ahead all the time and teams don't run right. against them very much. All right. Coaching news. Gerard Johnson, Texans quarterbacks coach continues to garner interest around the league, to potentially be an offensive coordinator. Up till this weekend, he had interviewed with Cleveland, New Orleans, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. I know at least two of those have been filled. Philadelphia has hired Kellen Moore. Cleveland is hiring um, uh, uh, Ken Dorsey, um, the former Buffalo offensive coordinator. Add Tampa Bay to the list of teams that Gerard Johnson is getting interest from. Uh, and this would be one presumably where he's going to be calling plays because Todd Bowles is a defensive head coach. So Tampa Bay, Gerard Johnson's still getting a lot of interest. No offers yet, but interest as an OC. And
2: Gerard was uh, was in Tampa before, right? He's been everywhere. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm
3: not, I'm not totally sure.
2: <laughs> well, he was with uh, with never. Uh, I, I, I want to say was, Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. The, the timeline on this is an interesting one. Um, hopefully, we'd find out within the next couple of weeks. So you can start making, making moves for, you know, who replaces them. But I feel like, yeah, Bobby Sloat's probably going to be here. Yeah. It, it, people are, it seems like a lot of people in the know feel that Ben Johnson's uh, got a really good shot of getting that job in Washington. And maybe they announced that within a couple of days of Ben Johnson being uh, eliminated from the playoffs. And
3: likewise, Dan Quinn in Seattle seems to be a pretty heavy favorite for that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that, that's, that's where we are right now with coaching news with the Texans their former defensive line coach, Jacques Césaire, finds a home in Cleveland. He'll be their new D-line coach. Quick baseball news. Hector Neris signs with the Chicago Cubs. He turned down his $8.5 million player option with the Astros to sign a, what will at a minimum be a one-year $9 million deal with the Cubs, which could turn into a two-year deal for as much as $23 million with incentives and so forth. Um... I would have signed – if this were the deal for the Astros to sign to bring back Hector Nearest, I would have brought him back at this money. Um, problem for the Astros is they're already way overspent in the bullpen. Uh, you know, Rafael Montero, $11 bucks. They just spent nearly $20 million on Josh Hader. Ryan Presley still on the payroll at 14 I don't think anybody thought Nearest was coming back either. I think it, it it's sort of seemed like they've conceded that Nearest, Stanek, and Philip Maton are all going to be gone in free agency. Yeah.
2: And I think that this is another one where you can't you can't worry about some of the pitching contracts you wish you hadn't done. Um, the yeah, for stuck. this off season, yeah, you're stuck with those yeah. contracts, and you're, there's only so much room to maneuver. And your your maneuvering was basically Josh Hader. So I'm like, that's yes, I would much prefer to have Hector Nearest compared to some of the guys that have big contracts on the Astros right now. But what's done is done, and if you're gonna go after Josh Hader, that uh, that that calms me down a lot about losing Hector Neres, yeah obviously. for sure
3: for sure nearest nearest was good for the Astros he's yeah. he's been among the league leaders he, I think he's been third in appearances during his time in all of baseball during his time with the Astros so um so decent signing for the Cubs I would say there um last one here in headlines good job by uh Deion Sanders three sons they bought him a house in Boulder this is how you know NIL is working Shiloh, Shadur and Dion Jr. bought their dad a house near the CU campus. It's a nice house. If it's the same house he was standing on the back patio of when you hear this audio, yeah. hell of a job by the sons. Here is Coach Prime reveling in the fact that his sons just bought him a house. For y'all
2: three to you
4: know, want to put it together so that y'all make sure i all straight when
2: y'all gone is, uh, that's unbelievable, son. It almost provokes a tear. Look at that man. Your life complete now, man. We gotta win. Death when it's complete.
4: It's gonna happen. I appreciate
2: this though. My three sons. <laughs> <laughs> Your life is complete. Your life's complete. complete now. There's nothing. Is there anything more heartwarming than the story of uh, a kid who makes it, or three kids who make it, and then uh buy their father a house, which He's had multiple of before, and already is super rich and famous, and everything. Uh, their dad, who is still in a
3: job that pays him like eight million dollars a year,
2: right? Is, is their father? Is their father working like uh, nights as a janitor while he works a day job yeah. at, at, a, at a manufacturing plant yeah. or something? No, no, he's a uh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame right. Division One football coach, Dion Sanders. Oh, okay. My dad's Your got, life is complete now. My dad's got three
3: sons, and I can tell him right now if he's listening. You're not getting a house, just so you know.
2: <laughs> it's really nice. I, it mean, is I don't nice. mean to take away yeah. from that. It's really nice. Yeah. It's just not the. It's not the typical uh, tearjerker that you might expect when, uh, when, when a, a kids some kids buy their parents a it's home. A nice you house, know. boy. Deon's the- had, had plenty of nice houses. He has. Yeah. He
3: has. He has. Maybe he had a goal to live in twenty nice houses, and he was at nineteen <laughs> forever and that, now your life 's complete you 've achieved like, your goal of living in twenty nice houses
2: I feel like after the after the cameras are off, Dion might tell the kids like listen guys uh, i 've told you this so many times before." If you're gonna if you're gonna flip a house like this in two years, which I very well might have to, uh, by the time you work in realtors' commissions, property taxes, everything else like that, this was a dumb. This was dumb, guys. This is really dumb. <laughs> not to mention that that house is
3: caters to about 0.01 percent of society has the ability to buy that house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, no, I mean some of the. the it's not to say that he can't turn around and sell it or anything. It's just if you're if you're only planning on living somewhere for a year or two. The, the, the home purchase doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe this is a
3: sign he wants to stay in Colorado. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Um, Pain and Pendergast with you on a um, reaction Monday. So let's continue to react. AFC, NFC title game. We've got our Super Bowl matchup. There are major, major Houston parallels from the AFC title game yesterday. Ones we like, and then ones that remind us of some really bad things. We'll get to those next.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.